This is Your Working Life, a podcast with tools, inspiration, and resources to help you enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today I welcome Ashley Hansberger to the show. Ashley is going to talk about the traits you shouldn't temper down if you want to succeed. Ashley, welcome. I'm really excited to dive into a juicy conversation with you today. I'm really excited to be here, Caroline. Thank you. So you have this fabulous new book called Rare Breed, A Guide to Success for the Defiant, Dangerous, and Different. And that title alone just sparks enthusiasm for me. So help help me go back, right, and set the stage for our global audience. What's wrong with what our culture currently tells us is the path to success? What's wrong with that? Well, I think there's this unspoken and unofficial rule for success that basically says you need to change who you are to achieve what you want. And we do not think that it has to be that way. We think that we can learn to leverage the things that our parents and our teachers and maybe even our mentors and all the people who care about us throughout our lives tell us we should temper down, we should become less of so that we can succeed because of course they want the best for us, right? Um, But what we have found is that what that does is it starts to water down who we are. So we're unable to really bring ourselves to work, to our careers, to our lives in a way that we authentically show up. So we're pulling on some triggers here, you know, about being rebellious and pushing your audacity and having that obsession uh, that a lot of people have, um, you know, even tapping into your own you unique weirdness and your emotional qualities, all these things that people tell us our entire lives that we shouldn't be. We want you to learn to leverage that so that you can use them to propel your own success. I love it. I love it. We got to fly our individual weird flag. I celebrate that. You know, it's interesting because I think the modern day leader is really uh, changing and evolving. and, And this gives us permission to be authentic and real. But I'd love for you to dive a little deeper. What does it mean to be a rare breed? And and how can it be more effective, especially when we're thinking about our hopes and our dreams and our goals? Well, rare breeds are those people in the world that really own who they are. You know, they, they show up, they go through life believing in who they are, believing in their gifts using them to really propel them forward and tapping into those things, like I said, that everybody else tells us to kind of shut down and grind down the prickly points. Um, so rare breeds are not just the people that have these seven virtues that we talk about in the, in the book, um, but they're people who learn to leverage them and actually use them as tools for their success. So do you think there might be a generational influence that, and, and I'm not vilifying the baby boomers by any means or the great generation, but it, but it is a different mindset, right? Especially in the world of work. Might it be them saying, okay, that's not appropriate behavior and giving liberty to younger generations to be authentic and in your words, a rare breed? Yeah, you know, I even think about my parents' generation, you know, and and my grandparents and the ways that they grew up and the ways that they started their businesses and and the things that were the rules and the norms and the confines that you had to play by in order to succeed. And in many instances that just 
doesn't need to be the case anymore. It still is for a lot of people because they're were raised by people who have a tendency to try to, you know, they have their own generational mindsets that 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 in many ways still kind of apply. Um, but I think that the millennial generation in general, Gen Z, we are of the mindset where it's kind of a whole new world and a whole new way of thinking about how we can how we can succeed, how can we, how we can do what we love by being who we are and be successful at it. I love that. And I have to say, I'm a few clicks older as a Gen X uh, person. That is my generation. But I'm so grateful to uh, the millennials and Gen Z for helping me see work-life integration in a very different way and being disruptive and, and changing the work culture to our benefit. So I think it's, it's exciting to see about the shift. You know, it makes me think of disruptive innovation and how that has beautifully changed the business landscape. But I want to ask you, is a rare breed attitude ever vulnerable to backfire? And and if so, how do we avoid that? It is always vulnerable to backfire, right? These rare breed virtues are virtues that have this tension, almost borderline between the light side and the dark side. So there is this dangerous duality to each of these virtues that if playing the cards wrong can really sabotage your own success. So this is, you know, this is really about owning who you are, but turning it into the good, right? And not giving in to the dark side of rebelliousness, the dark side of audacity, the dark side of being too emotional or too weird or too hot blooded or too obsessed, because those things can, if you, if you use them in the wrong ways, they can certainly, you know, stunt your growth, they can keep you weighed down, they can have all kinds of negative side effects, if we learn how to, you know, how not to use them towards our advantages. So let's put some context around this for our listeners around the world. Can you mention a few of the rare breed qualities that you and your co-author identify in the book, and then maybe give us a story about how we can work with that to our advantage? Yeah, so the seven vices in the book are rebellious, audacious, obsessed, hot-blooded, weird, hypnotic, and emotional. And these seven vices are the are are virtues. A lot of people call them vices. We like to think of them as virtues. And like I said, they each have this sort of dangerous duality. You can be a rebel uh, without a cause, or you can be a, or you can be a rebel that really creates positive, significant change for yourself and for others. You can have the the obsession that leads to excellence and um, you know just just such an amazing, detail oriented way of doing things that that creates beautiful work. Or you can get so bogged down into that obsession where you never get anything done and you really procrastinate on all of these things, right? So it's, a, it's, it's learning how to leverage it again. Uh, we write a story in a book, in the book about, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this title because it's, it's a little bit of foul language. It's called okay. F, F Norms. <laughs> you can fill in the blank. <laughs> you can fill in the blank on what, on what you might suggest that is. But it's really about, you know, going against what the current affairs are. You know, what are the current 
conditions in a market? What is the status quo? And learning how to F norms in a way that provides the competitive advantage for you. So we tell a story of a CEO. Uh, her name is Emma McElroy. And she is the CEO of a tomboy fashion brand called Wild Fang. And she, um, you know, just used her authenticity and who she is to start disrupting the idea of gender norms in the apparel world. So she was the kind of person who wanted to wear, you know, men's silhouettes, right? Cool blazers or graphic tees, but couldn't find anything in any store that really catered just to her body and what would look good on her female body, right? And so she created Wild Fang, which is this beautiful fashion line for tomboys like her. And it has inspired just thousands and millions of people to feel accepted in the way that they want to dress. And it's that type of pushback. It's that type of disruption. It's that type of defiance against a standard or a way of thinking or a way of being that, you know, society tells us is what we should be wearing, what we should be thinking, what we should be doing. And it's kind of, you know, taking that leadership position and using your entrepreneurial insights and imagination to find a new way going forward for people like you. I love that story. That is fabulous. I'm definitely eager to learn more about that individual leader. Great, great story. So Ashley, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to learn more about. We want this podcast to serve you in all of your career and life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. So I'm loving our conversation about rare breeds, and I think these vices are absolutely virtues. So you've got me. I'm, I'm definitely all in. But is there a responsibility or is the onus on the rare breed to help others around them understand them, especially if they're working in a structured environment, you know, maybe a corporate or a nonprofit environment that might not have experience with the rare breed and might not know how to handle them? Yes, that's a fantastic question and observation, in fact. You know, a lot of companies, a lot of organizations um, are not quite um, accepting of the rebel, if you will, right? We all, all these businesses say they need some disruptive thinking. They want the fresh ideas. They want someone, they want people within their organization to really challenge the thinking and, and change the thinking for the better and, and perhaps develop new ways of doing things and but when they're pushed with that, and when they're given that, oftentimes those people that rise up within organizations that bring their bold, audacious ideas to the table, that bring their rebellious sides to the table and say, you know what, there's a different way of doing things and we need to be at the helm of it. There is pushback. There can be pushback if the leadership is not of the shared mindset that these things are actually you know, advantages 
and things to nurture within an organization. So a lot of rare breeds that are working within companies and within cultures that do not support the thinking can have a hard time. And it's why I think you see a lot of people um, you know, quitting their day jobs and starting their own things. But there's also organizations that you know, do think this way and need to lean more into their own rare breedness as a unit, you know, not just as individuals, but as a company, as a unit, as a brand, if you will. Um, there's so much advantage to learning how to leverage these things for your business, for your organization that can really help you either fruit, future-proof your business if you're a, an established brand that you know, has been maybe resting on its laurels for quite a bit too long, or you're an innovator and someone who's coming onto the scene trying to make a disruptive mark. You know, these are things that any organization, I believe, can take and use and, and make work well for them. So what I think I'm hearing is that there are individuals who, who own their rare breed uh rebellion, right? But maybe there's some other aspiring rare breed rebe- rebels, right, who just haven't given themselves permission. How how might they peel back those layers to be their true authentic self and, you know, fly that rebellious flag in their career? Well, I think it's it's not a path for everyone and I think that's why it's rare, right? It's it's rare breed for a reason. It's a hard life to live as a rare breed because you are an outlier inherently. You are the one of the kind. You are the different one. And there's a lot of danger, you know, in being that different one. You know, a lot of people just don't, they they don't cross over the line because of fear, you know, because of all these things that we think we're going to um, lose, you know, whether it's people in our lives that don't support us or don't, you know, find, you know, respect for us or what have you, um, there can be that tension that exists in your internal dialogue about, about living your own unique self. And I think that, and I find that a lot of people, especially young women and, and people who are just starting their careers, maybe they're just graduating from college and kind of taking that first step into who they're going to be in life. Um, you know, it is, it is a process of self-discovery. You have to really do the work. It's an inside thing. It's a heart thing. It's a questioning of who you are um, that you have to take the time to do. And I think the more you realize who you are, the more you go through life as who you are, the more successful you can be. I don't really believe that anybody can truly be fully live up to their full potential unless they accept who they are, they celebrate who they are, they love who they are, and they can really own who they are. Um, all the good parts, of course, and if it's it, you know it's a constant working, you know, to make it even better and improving yourself as you go go along. But yeah, it's a it, it's not an easy path, and I think that's why most people choose not to take it. Well, and I guess the whole point is there is something special about being a rare breed, right? If it was commonplace, it wouldn't be as significant. It wouldn't be as as, as special. L- let me ask: Do you and your co-author Sunny identify as rare breeds? Is this something that came from? <laughs> Well, you know, I, there, there's a funny story. Um, early in our career, Sunny and I started our business in 2005. We were in our early to mid-20s. We started with $250. We really had no reason to be successful. Everyone told us we would fail. Everyone said we were too broke, too inexperienced, too girly, whatever, um, you know, to succeed in a business where 
um, it was really dominated by men at that at that period in time. Um, and I remember Sonny's dad, who was a mentor of ours. Um, he was a person we always went to for advice. Um, he had a way about him that could help you really see things from a different perspective when you were just too caught inside your own head. So we would go to him a lot and and lean on him for his advice. And I remember uh, at one particular time we were having a really rough time and really questioning if we were going to stick with it or if we should, you know, say, oh, to hell with it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do something else or this isn't working out or it's too hard or, or whatever the case might have been. And I remember him saying, you know. You guys are a rare breed. Not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to like it. But you just have to kind of be you. And you have to keep going about life being you and doing you. And that was the very first seed looking back of rare breed as it exists today. It was just that little sentiment that he dropped on us. Like It was just like an aha moment. Like, wow, <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Of course, not everybody's going to get it. Of course, not everybody's going to like us and you know all of these things that we want so badly, but it's okay. That's okay. And that kind of idea evolved over the years and we started working with so many different kinds of entrepreneurs and, and business leaders and companies and learning the ins and outs of, of the way that they ran their businesses and, and, and also ran their personal lives. Because as you know, oftentimes entrepreneurship and, and our work and our personal lives are so integrated now. And so we just saw behind the curtain of so many different kinds of people. And we started just spotting these same kind of qualities that we had with the people that we were working with, you know, they were a little rebellious and they, they had big, crazy ideas sometimes. And, you know, they, we spotted their little obsessions and their hypnotism and their mesmerism and their charm and their charisma and their emotional sides and all these things. And we're, you know, we started to kind of just connect the dots in that way. So it was a really interesting thing. I don't know if, you know, I know I don't walk through life thinking I'm a rare breed, but I, I think that, we all are in our own unique ways, um, but it's just learning to kind of, again, leverage that so that you can just move fully into yourself. That is awesome. Ashley, thank you for being so authentic and sharing that beautiful story. And cheers to Sonny's dad. What, what great wisdom that clearly stuck with the two of you to this day. It did. Good stuff. Hey, I learned so much from you today, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you about the book. And I want to share the full title again, A Guide to the Success for the Defiant, Dangerous, and Different Rare Breed. And your co-author is Sunny Bonnell. And your book is soon to be released. I'm so excited for the two of you. And I wish you great success. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Caroline. It was, it was great. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps more people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you want to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.